You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Good morning. Um, This is the last weekend that I've got. Aaron's going to cover for me next week. I'm traveling all week, so Aaron's kindly going to step in and cover for me next week. It was kind of funny. Yesterday, he walked up to me and goes, I am covering for you tomorrow, right? And I went, no. He goes, yeah, well, you told me it was tomorrow. I went, no. He pulled up his calendar, and he went, no, it's next week. So <laughs> kind of helped him out there a little bit. So, so kind of in review, we've been talking about <clears throat> being a good sheep, being a good follower, And we've taken a couple of different steps. Our verse kind of that we've used as a starting point has been Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, which states, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but ye therefore wise serpents and harmless as doves. So God has called us for a direction. God has called us for a purpose. And we are his sheep to follow. We've also been talking about the fact that, you know, sheep have odd characteristics. You know, they're vulnerable. Um, they're not very smart or typically unaware of their surroundings. And, you know, what better example is that as a Christian, that, you know, that without our shepherd directing us in the way we would, should go, we're going to be in trouble. And then as, you know, most sheep, they have a tendency to wander off. Um, we also talked about d- deciding on who to follow. And with all the different... Um, influence of the world today, it's easy to get off track. And so we're going to talk a little bit about more of that today as we talk about um, our Lord and Savior. We also talked about that we must be willing to pay the price to follow because we end up giving a lot of things up. Last week we talked a lot about getting a clear knowledge of what it's to be, getting a clear knowledge of, of what our shepherd has in store for us and how we are to follow along in his direction. Um, It's not just doing something, though. It's understanding the reason why. I mean, it's easy to just, if you're told to do something, to get it done. Um, But it's understanding sometimes the reason why. You know, our our kids are good at that. Go tell them to do something. Well, why? Well, why? Well, it's because I told you so. You know, and sometimes it's that, blind obedience that we need to have when God says go, you know, much like Abraham, you know, he was told to go, you know, didn't ask which way, didn't argue about what direction, he just went. And that's sometimes we do, but we also need to sometimes need to understand what it's behind it, so we understand more of what's there. It's helping others, giving is a good example of that. So let's turn in your Bibles to Titus, Titus chapter 2. We're going to use that as our launch off this morning. A lot of scripture this morning, but for the matter of time, um, I have most of it for you, so this will probably be the only time that I really need you to open your Bibles this morning. I'm stuck. So Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning to come to you and open your word. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you just use me. Again, Lord, I am not worthy to be here. Father, I'm not worthy to be your voice. And Lord, it's only through you that your message can be conveyed. Father, I pray that you be with the rest of the teachers this morning as they open the word. Be with uh, those that are here. Just pray, Lord, that they get a blessing from this morning's time. We thank you in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, again, we've been talking about following. And the one thing that we realize that following Jesus Christ is different than anything else is God's grace. You know, it, and it kind of gives you a little history back through this. This is kind of where I had started initially on where I thought we were going to go from a, from a series for this month, um, but was directed in kind of an, another direction. But it all ties back. I mean, the one thing that we need to understand as followers of Christ is what makes this so unique, it's his grace. It's his grace that he, that he allows us to be part of his flock. Without that, we wouldn't have it. You know, God's grace is defined in a couple of different ways. It's his unmerited favor. It's God showing favor and blessing on those who did not in any way deserve it or earn it. They deserve his judgment and wrath, but he showed them favor. Isn't that so true? There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we'll, and we'll, again, we'll go more into this. God's grace is there. He loved the whole world that he sent his own son, the real lamb of God. As that sacrifice, that grace that he opened the door for everyone, not just a few, not just an elect, but for all. And we have a tendency to forget that. God's grace brings salvation to all people. It's not an exclusive crowd. You don't have to be a certain class. You know, it's not the lower class or the middle class or the, or the, the rich and famous. It's to all. You know, you don't have to be Americans. You don't have to be from another country to have that. It's to all. John 1.14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, the appearance of God's grace brought salvation to all men. No one, again, no one is beyond his reach. You know, and we often forget that. And again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week of understanding the motive behind the action. You know, God's grace, his love for all of us, we need to have that same drive. I mean, one of the, one of the testimonies that seemed to go through a lot of us last week was the talk of understanding more about the need of others, needing to be better soul winners, needing to be better servants of those around. Instead of just being our own little world, it's expanding why. And it's the whole key of understanding God's grace. We're to take that grace and try to 
funnel it through. You know, uh, Aaron and I were in the hallway and his kids were taken off in front of him. And he says, you can't follow me if you're ahead of me, but you can lead if you're behind me. You know, and so true of our Christian life. You know, we often get ahead of God. We're in a hurry to do what we think he wants us to do. But yet, if we just wait, wait for his grace, wait for him to give us that direction on how we can better influence those that we come in contact with, what a way to work our lives. 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners for whom I am chief. You know, once we're saved, we're not above it. You know, we don't lose it. But we need to remember, you know, if it wasn't for God's grace, that could be us. You know, when we look and how see where people live and how they react and how they do things, you know, especially if you've been a Christian for most of your life, you know, if you had the, the pleasure and the privilege to be saved as a child, maybe raised in a Christian home, you are blocked from a lot of the world. Blocked from what happens. Blocked from the influences. You know, you're protected by God and your parents. But so that when you, as you grow up, you miss that influence. You know, but it's that understanding of who you are. That you are a chief sinner. I mean, I often, I find this interesting and I think it would be true. Is that if you're a first generation Christian, I am. My parents were not were not saved. My family had nothing to do with it. Um, so when I came to know the Lord, well, I was on fire. You know, I was wholehearted, here we go. You know, and I've shared kind of my testimony before. But it's, it's to know what God pulled me out of. To know what that influence was, and he directed me. So now I look at the next generation. You know, and like I said, we've protected them. We've kind of brought them up in the right environment. So that, isn't it interesting how we happen to lose that next generation? That we've done everything we can, we've done everything that we possibly could train them in the way they should go, yet they follow a different path. Now we pray that God will bring them back to him, which in most cases he does. But there are a few that just never get back on that right track. So... Just remember who we are and where we come from. God trains us who are saved in godliness. You know, it's not just something that once you become saved, <clears throat> excuse me, that, bang, you know everything. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice that upon that, that profession of faith, everything we know, everything we know what to do, what not to do, wouldn't have to come to church, pastor be out of a job because we'd have it all. But that's not the case. You know, we are as babes, and we need to be trained. Be it if you're 4 years old or 64 years old or 84 years old, you still are learning. We still learn a little bit more day by day, devotion by devotion, message by message. It's that time to really understand how we need to live our lives that much better. You know, we take it for granted, again, that, you know, once we're there, we're good. I don't need to do anything else. But yet, 
we need to be directed. We have a general idea of what it's like to be a Christian. I mean, in most cases as we grow, especially if the later in life as you are come to know the Lord, I think we all have a general idea of what we think a Christian is supposed to be. I mean, be a Christian and look at the people that you work with that aren't. Boy, they hold you to a much higher standard than you do. You know, and it's because there's an expectation that they have of what we're supposed to be. If we only took that same expectation and put it into our lives, again, how much different would we live our lives? If we really were aware of how people viewed us, and we're not talking about judging, we're just talking about a view, an interpretation of our lives, how much more would we live differently? You know, a comment that's always made here, a statement that's not new, is that, you know, we may be the only Bible or we may be the only Jesus that, any, that, we, that people will ever see. So we don't take that to heart enough, I think. I know I don't. I don't often think about that. I mean, when I go into work, I got a job to do. I'm focused on that job. You know, I work with people. We all have a common goal is to get the job done, but I don't often think about the example that I'm showing. You know, do people walk away when I'm done and go, wow, there's something really peculiar about that guy, and I don't mean in a peculiar way. But the fact that, you know, he handles himself differently. You know, we're all in the same pressure, we're all under the same gun, yet there's a difference. And how can I get that? That's learning the godliness. In verse 12 that we just read, it says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I mean, that just doesn't come. You know, it's, it's a progression. It's, you know, growing up, it's the baby steps. It's learning to crawl and learning to walk and then eventually, you know, being to a point where, you know, we can start making those right decisions. It's when we're put under that pressure, when we're put under those points that we need to make that right choice, we have a basis. We have a baseline to go from. Instead of just, well, this is what I think the world would want to do. No, what would God do? What does he want us to do? Luke 9.23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What a truth of our daily lives. You know, it's so easy to want to follow and do as the world does. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the typical comment of, well, he's doing it, why shouldn't I? Well, you shouldn't because you're one of child, God's children. So yeah, it's the easy way to go. It might be the, what might be the direct way to go, but it may not be what God has in store. And it's tough to sometimes take up that cross knowing that it's not going to be popular with the world. It may not be popular with your family. It may not be popular in the workplace. But that's what God wants us to do. You know, again, I'll, I'll go back to Isaac's description of the staff. You know, it's using that staff to direct the sheep in the way they should go. That's what God wants to do with us. But we've got to be that willing lamb to do it. It can't be, yeah, I know God, but I'm going to do it this way. 
You know, I know this is the direction you want me to go, but, you know, this way looks easier. I don't want to go there. There's going to be problems. I think I'll just go this path. Well, if you do that, that path is not probably going to be as easy as we thought. Turn the page. There it goes. It's living a life of saying no. You know, the Christian life isn't always easy. And there are often things that are brought to us that look they'd be the easy way to go. You know, it's understanding from the teaching. It's understanding through your time in the word of what might be the right path to go. I don't say that we always know. I think we can. But I think we as people have a tendency to think we get a direction and off we go. Sometimes you just should say no. You know, God tells us no. When we pray, you know, he'll answer us either yes, maybe later, or he'll me tell, tell us no. You know, and, it's, and if he does, then okay, there's a direction. And I think, you know, pastors comment about the addition to the building. It's a great example. You know, that's something that's a desire of our heart. That's something that we see a need for, but yet Lord just keeps saying no, no. Now we could say, heck with it, let's go forward and let's just do it. Not in God's timing, not in God's will, and it's going to be a disaster. You know, things that we do without purely taking it and purely basking it in prayer, fasting in prayer, taking the time to search it out to see if it's the right direction for us to go, often ends in misery and heartache. So 1 John 2.16 says, For all this is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's taking what we see in front of us and testing it out. It's taking the grace of God and putting it to practice. It's understanding, is this the right direction? Because, you know, again, things will look tempting, things will look good in the world, but may not be what God wants us to do. Grace changes, or trains us, again, to live soberly, righteously, and godly. Soberly is self-control. It's not yielding to various passions or impulses. Those that have, excuse me, ladies, if I say this and you're offended, apologize up front, you like to go shopping, you know, impulse buying. You know, I'm in sales. I've, although the kind of sales I do are not retail sales or, or marketing type sales, but I've been in enough classes that it's to get them to say yes. It's to get them to say yes. So that when they see that decision, it's to make them right now go, yeah, I want this, I want this. Take out any reason for them to say no, which we just talked about, and make them say yes. You need to have that self-control. You know, uh, buying something, there's a lot of pressure by salespeople to go, hey, if you buy it now, we'll give you this. Or if, if you don't buy it now, you know, I got somebody else waiting to buy it. Have at it. Let them have it. You know, it's trying to make you to do something that's not what God wants you to do. It's learning that self-control. You know, and it's the same thing with our Christian lives. We may see the easy route. We may think this is what God has directed. But we've got to have that self-control to go, wait a minute, is this what God wants us to do? You know, again, I'm, I'm just a sponge here that's giving you what you've heard before. But, you know, pastors talk about waiting for that right one to marry. You know, 
it's that self-control of going, oh, no, this person's the right one. They're good looking. They got all the money in the world. That's just where I want to be. Nah, maybe not the right direction you want to go. So grace trains us to live righteously. It's, it's integrity. You know, again, it's about how people review, view you. I mean, integrity ties a lot with characters. It's how you act when others aren't around. You know, that's what really begins to direct you and build you up and, and train you to be a better Christian. It's acting with integrity. God trains us to live godly, living, living a Godward life, knowing that he examines our hearts. You know, again, you know, I'm as guilty as this, is that, you know, as you do things in life, do we often look at what the motive is? Again, why we do what we do. We think we're doing it the right reason, but is our motive really there? God knows it. God knows your heart. God knows why you do what you do and the reasons why you do it. Let's talk about the forms of grace. <clears throat> I would like to take credit for this, but this kind of came out of my devotions. So I'm kind of just sharing some of this with you. So no way, like I said, am, am I getting credit for this one. So there's different kinds of grace. There's a common grace. It's that which is poured out unto all men, regardless of their spiritual conditions. Matthew 5:44 says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's a, it's a grace that God gives to everyone. We kind of, I kind of touched on this earlier. It's God's willingness to reach out to all that should come to know him. You know, you look at some and you go, wow, are you bad? Why would God ever show his grace on you? You've done nothing to deserve it. Well, who in this room has? Which one of us can stand up and go, yep, I'm good for this? No. Again, we're all chief sinners. It's God's common grace that he gives to everyone that they should come to know him. There's a securing grace. It's a manifestation of grace, God's compassion by which Christians are kept secure in spite of sin. Thank God for that. How often do we live a life that, you know, we don't deserve what we have. We do not deserve a place in, king, in his kingdom because we screw it up every time we turn around. You know, <clears throat> Pansy went through, again, and this is, for some of you may have heard this before, when Pansy grew up, she grew up Pentecostal. So she was always under the impression that she could lose her salvation. And I could not understand that. When we got together and started going back into church, and she still had that struggle. And I kept going, why? Christ died once for you. Why do you think that well, I'm just not deserving. Well, none of us are. And it took a long time for her to finally come to that realization that it was a lie of the devil. You know, that as long as he can keep us down, keep us worried about where our place is with God, how secure we are, he's got us. I mean, we're there. We're locked in. 
Once you accept Christ as your Savior, that's it. It's done deal. But if Satan can bring that lie to you and have you believe it, it's tough to get over that. Romans 5, 1 through 2, says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Men cannot obtain salvation, and he can't maintain his salvation. It's only through God's grace alone are we secured in our walk with him. There's a sanctifying grace. It's defined as which works within the true believer to bring growth, maturity, and progress of becoming Christ-like. Kind of we've talked a little bit about that. But 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but grace of God, which was with me. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It's that developing. It's that working. It's that getting more and more to where we can become Christ-like. It's a sustaining grace. And I think when we, we often think of grace, this is the grace that we most want. We want to cling to this grace. It's given at special times of need, especially during adversary, ad, adversity and suffering. You know, there's always times in our lives when things just, we, we can't do it on our own. It's bad. There's an, either through outside influences or just in, our, just in what trials were there, it's that sustaining grace that we want to cling to. You know, and we forget that it's there for us. You know, when things get to be tough, when things start to cause problems, how easy are we to look to try to fix it ourselves? You know, we look to other things to help us through. You know, drugs, alcohol, uh, immorality, anything to take our mind off of those troubles, those sufferings. You know, it could be work. I'm, I'm going to work more. I'm not going to be at home. I'm just going to spend more, you know, spend more time at work so that I don't have to deal with the issues at home. You know, it's, I find a hobby. So now I'm playing softball five nights a week. Or I'm playing volleyball multiple times a week or something. You know, just so you can stay away from it. That's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to call upon him. He's offering his grace to us. All we need to do is reach out to him. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made of perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities then the, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And there's somebody who wants the infirmities so he can get the grace. Not me, but, you know. <laughs> Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace to help in the time of need. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Come on. Here we go. There's a serving grace. It allows us to minister to manifest the life of our Lord through the members of his body. I mean, it's, it's, again, understanding why we're to serve. It's the motive behind it. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But in every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold of God. You know, grace is entirely the work of God. Again, it's not anything that we can do. It's undeserved by man and with regard to anything that the object of what grace will later accomplish. So we don't often understand the reason for it. We don't know what it's, gonna, what it's going to result in. We just need to have that faith that God's grace will get us through it. You know, the other thing, it's absolutely free. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You have no claim to it. Yet, how often do we reject it? Like I said, how often do we get into problems where we need God's grace? We can use God's grace to get us through that, but yet we turn towards other things, other people, other answers, instead of turning to God for his grace. Romans 9.16 says, so, that, so then it is not of him what willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy mercy. So as we've gone through this last couple of weeks of lessons and, and learned to be a good sheep, you know, we've learned the fact that we need to first find the right shepherd. Upon finding that right shepherd, which we know is God, we need to understand more about him. There are requirements that we need to do. We need to spend time in his word. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to make sure that we reach out to him when things get rough, and even in the good times, because that's when his grace is also being shown upon us. I'll leave you with this. Joshua 24, 15, came up in my devotions this morning. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of which were your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mike, listen for You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.